Hello and welcome back to another edition of Shop Talk with Jeff and John. This week, cooking part two. But before we get to that, let's catch up a bit. Jonathan, how you doing today? Heyo. <laughs> yeah, I think I know what that means. I'm here. I'm here. I'm still alive. Yeah. It's better than not being here, I guess. Uh, yes, sir. So, um, <clears throat> several interesting things this week. It went from like February to like, 103 it was bound to happen <laughs> it was bound to happen that, that was that was crazy it's, it's there interesting was, uh how wow like no it's, gradual build-up like no. one day it's 70 the next day it's 101 yeah it was it was pretty crazy i don't know which one i like yeah but you know in southern california we have a lot to complain about so all everyone ever does is pretty talk much. about traffic and weather yeah so and yeah. since our commute's not bad we're never really in traffic we really talk about the weather. So, but um, I don't know. The, the, it was good. I don't think it, it, it changed people's attitude too much, but it was the general conversation when people came in off a bike ride or during a bike general ride. General conversation. I mean, I think uh, it's, it's affecting people's decisions whether they want to ride or not. So oh. that's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's either it's raining or it's really hot, you know. Yeah. So. And when I started my ride at 7 and everybody complained about it starting at 7, but... You know, when people started the ride today at nine, it was already 90 degrees. Yeah, so, no way. So uh -huh. who's the smart one now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. so uh, <clears throat> well, it, hey, last week was good conversation. Um, I enjoyed uh, hearing about how your, your evolution and sorts like that. Yeah. Yeah. A um, lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so, you know, after afterwards, we kind of debriefed and went, hey, wait a minute. There's some good stuff here. So let's make it part two. Yeah, so here we are tonight w with part two. Uh, last week, very action-packed. Maybe action-packed a bit of a stretch, but <laughs> I don't know. It's it's always fun talking about the stuff because it's. Uh, I feel it's a lot fun to talk about it and reminisce about it because I, I know I'm not doing it now, and I uh -huh. can I can reflect on the fun times that I had, and that's the part I choose to remember, the fun part. Uh, I already got special requests for uh, roasted tomato with blue cheese. Well... So. I can I can I can make that available and it's uh it's in my hip pocket it's a good one. It's time consuming but uh because you have to roast the tomatoes and that's the secret. You that's really, the secret. You really got to roast them. You can't just buy them in the jar. No. Roasted no. tomatoes. You can, you, can, you can actually roast them puppies. So uh well you I okay. believe, believe you I'm turning it over to you. You said last week that we're just feel like we're yeah. getting the conversation started and I peeling a, back the onion. I have a onion. list of questions that I would like to, I le would like for you to answer. Okay. Dear sir. Um, so, hey, I'm just going to jump right into it. That's yeah. Because inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> um, so number one, uh, I've always been fascinated with the whole process of cooking in the kitchen. No, not at home, like in the restaurant kitchen. Right. You know, you had mentioned like, uh, you know, there were you know, uh, one dish can have so many pickups, right? right. Yeah. That's the term you use. Yeah. And that's ultimately where people are touching it or having to influence. Having input on the dish, like a side, a garnish, a fish, a sauce, or right. you know, whatever. So right. not one person's doing everything that's on the plate. So, like, how do you time that stuff? How is everything, is some stuff just prepped from the get-go? But like, I mean. I mean, there, there are some things prepped, but for the most part, most dishes are places where I worked and things that I prided myself on. We cooked everything when it was ordered. 
No, now say like a sauce. Now we'll make a sauce because you can't, you know, like if it's a, a Bernays or something like that or, or a bechamel or, a, you know, a gravy or whatever term you want to use. If, if that's going on on a dish and we expect that dish to be popular, then we can make that. And that's held warm on the stove, on a pan or above the line, you uh-huh. know, so that, so that you grab a pan. And that's one of the last things you do is sauce out the plate. But if you're cooking a chicken dish, a fish dish, a steak dish, when the order comes in, um, then you, you're calling out the fire. But like at home when I cook, I mean, making chicken takes at least 45 minutes. And then I was complaining the other week about it took me two hours to make uh, curry. Right. You know, curry pork. Uh, when I get these dishes at the restaurant in 15 minutes, yeah. what, what gives? Well, an oven does, I mean, we, all our ovens are set at 500 degrees. They're always hot. So we always have, you always have pans kind of on the ready. They're getting warm or whatever. So you get a, you get a chicken dish come in and we're going to skin or sear the, the skin on the chicken breast and make it crispy. So that goes in. And once that, and when that chicken starts searing and you, you know, two or three minutes or whatever, then you throw it into the 500 degree oven. And while that chicken is cooking, now you're picking up the sides or the, everything else that's going with it. So Part of the part of the roulette, or not the roulette, but the the shuffling act is like when you open your oven and there's seven pans in there. <laughs> you can remember which dish which dish went in first, type of thing. So yeah, so you're cooking. You you, you order in. You know, two fillets, one halibut, and one chicken. Well, you want to listen to the temperature of the fillets. Okay, one you know, two fillets, one medium, one mid rare. So you're going to start the medium as soon as your order comes in. Fillets are about two inches thick, so you drop those on the grill. Now, as you're timing, you're getting your other pans ready, and so you're keeping an eye on that steak. So when you hatch the steak or when you turn the steak over, now you're going to drop the medium rare down. So now the medium rare is down, and about that time, your pan's hot. Now you're searing off your chicken breast or your chicken thigh, or chi- you know whatever the chicken may be. So now that's done and going in. By the time that you turn the, the second filet over, it's going to medium rare. Now you know to put the chicken in the oven. Once the chicken goes in the oven, now you're going to start getting your pan hot for the halibut, because halibut's going to be the slow, I mean, the quickest pickup of them all. So you start cooking that last. So if only the listeners could see my deer in the headlights look. Right. Good Lord. Yeah. And so that's the reason that a team or your line, or your cooks are so important because they, you, it's, it's constant communication. And, and we always ran a kitchen where we didn't have tickets. One person had a ticket and we did verbals is what it's called. Cause I believe if the whole line is listening and the whole line is communicating and everybody's on a verbal ticket, then nobody's going to get ahead of themselves. Nobody's going to sandbag a dish. Cause I've been to places where, yeah, we're going to run verbals, but we feel that the grill needs a the grill or saute needs a ticket machine so they can keep up. Well, so your expo's running, the guy who's calling in the line, calling in the orders, he's got all the board in front of him. And so he knows what's going on. Servers are talking to him. Hey, they're just now getting apps on table three. You can push table three back, but table four is ready to go. You can fire it and send it when you can. If somebody's working on tickets on their own, they're going to start sandbagging dishes or getting dishes ready to go that might not be ready that might, the front of house might not be ready for. So that's where the communication comes in. If you're running, running verbal tickets where the expo or the chef or the sous chef in the window is calling the tickets, he can control the timing. Because you know how we have work orders at work. Think about that. But every time a, a, a 
food order comes in, consider it a work order. So how we look for availability, that's the same thing we do. We look at the ticket. Okay, well, they're getting salads. Then they're getting apps. Then they're getting this. So now we can pace out the line and we can pace out the pace out the... the Wait, so am I hearing that in on one order, no, one dish, the team works to build that dish? Yeah. At a time? Yeah. And, and so, and, and, the, and the, the synchronicity part of it is, is where everyone's in tune and I'm cooking three steak dishes and a halibut dish. And I know the, the guy beside me is getting the sides ready for three steak dishes and a halibut dish. Cause you know, it's all been come in. I got three halibuts or three steaks, two halibuts. So I know what I'm doing cause I'm laying my pans down as, as the order comes in. And that's how Howard remembers like steak, 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 halibut, halibut. Or chicken, 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 but the grill, the guy on the grill is picking up the steak. So I'm laying down the pans. The guy beside me, he's also doing the same thing. He knows that he's got three, two halibuts and a chicken pickup. So now he's going to start preparing the sides, or getting the sides ready to start cooking. Getting the, getting the, uh, you know, because a lot of times it's sautéed vegetables or it's, you know this that. So a lot of that's just cooked the order because that you know that's when it's the best. Okay, so. Everyone in the kitchen knows the recipe or knows rather the ingredient or whatever. The The ingredients to a dish. Yes. Ingredients to a dish. Yeah. And everyone knows their role in fulfilling that. Yes. So you guys have practiced before. Well, it's when, when we write a dish or when I write a menu or we write a special, our practice comes from, I always did a menu indoctrination or a menu, uh, something on a menu that I've done previously as a special if i have a menu idea hey i want to put this on the menu coming up in a couple of weeks i'll run it as a special on this friday and then maybe run it as a special next friday but change it up a bit just to get the timing and see what sites work with it best so we have a dish and i and i have a dish that we're going to do so we go to work we go we go to work at eight o'clock in the morning Dinner service is at five. So, and if I'm doing a lunch special, or if I'm doing lunch, and I'll show the guys what we're doing for a lunch special. Lunches don't normally change soup, salad, sandwiches, you know, things like that. Uh, chicken piccata, s- simple stuff. But one o'clock when the night crew comes in, or the, the evening crew comes in, from one to two, we're talking about what's going on the menu that night. And if it's something brand new, I will walk through them, give them the recipe. This is how it's going. And then I will cook the dish. Nuts, oh. nuts to bolts. Okay. I'll show them how the side is picked up. I'll show them how the, how the chicken is cooked, how I want it to look when it's done. And then when it's all said and done, I'll do a plating and I'll show them how it's going to be plated. It's like, hey, this, uh, everything's at 12, 6, and 9, and 3. So we break the plate yeah. in half. So we're putting, a, we're putting the starch here, the vegetable here. The chicken's going to sit at about 7.30 off center on the plate. We're going to do a little spoon planting with the sauce and then the garnish across the top. Then I show them how it's looked and then we'll cook it. And so what we normally do, anything that we're running new or special for that day, that's what we cook for family meal. A, it gives the crew a chance to pick it up. Uh-huh. And now I get it. Now the front of the house gets a chance to eat it or try it. So now I can explain to them What's in the dish, how it's prepared, no substitutes, it has gluten, it has this, it has this, it has that. No, it doesn't have this, it can be made without that if there's an allergy issue, you know. So, because there's... Whoa. Yeah. 
So a lot of that comes into play. So people ask, well, is there mushrooms in the sauce? Is there garlic in the sauce? Yes. Can you take it out? No, the sauce is, we already made the sauce is made with mushrooms and garlic, even though it's a smooth sauce, but it has mushrooms and garlic in it. So if they can't eat it, get it on the side. It can be subbed with something else that we have, a sauce that's available. So all that comes into play when you come in and your crew comes in and they're getting ready and they're doing preps. Okay, so you're picking up the chicken, you're picking up this. So I need you to, I need you to peel and half cut, cut the, the three quarter carrots in half. I need you to, you know, clean, a, uh, clean and cut up broccoli. I want all the florets one size and I want them cut in half because I need it to all cook evenly and quickly in the pan. So if things aren't cut uniformly or mm -hmm. if things are just hodgepodge, then you're going to get a big old mouthful of uncooked vegetables. So you don't want that either. So when you talk to the guy that's prepping, that's working his station, you tell him how it's cut, what the size you want, and you inspect it to make sure that when he grabs, you know, a serving's full of zucchini, that all zucchinis are half moon and they're a quarter inch thick or a half inch thick so that when they saute and cook, mm -hmm. everything's going to cook uniformly. And that the customer now, when he eats all the zucchini, it's all going to be nicely done and tender and cooked all the way through. So, okay. Still, he still has the head, the, the deer in the headlights. Left, <laughs> by the way. Oh man. Wow. I'm absorbing what you just said and I don't even. <clears throat> okay. All right. It's a good enough explanation. I'm sure I'm slow to learn here. Yeah. Um, but everyone learns the recipe, gets to cook it, taste it, the front of the house gets it, and somehow you guys don't mess up your timing. Yeah. Now, when the medium rare one or, or the first dish that went on first, it finally gets, gets off, is there another one entering or do you do do cook at five at a time or whatever no there you the and that's the job of the expo or the guy standing in the window the sous chef is normally i sometimes on a friday night i like to cook so i let my sous chef stand in the window he was a really good expediter me and him cooked together for you know nine years so we we could have talks and we could literally i could just look at him and he could answer a question with just my look i'm holding a pan look at him and then he would turn to the grill guys how long on the filet you know, so he's always talking back and forth and he's got his tickets in front of him and he's writing notes. So he knows what time it was called in. Oh. So the ticket comes in. So we send out oh. the appetizers or the service says, you know, they, they're having a glass of wine. It's an anniversary. We can slow pace this one. So we'll make that note, you know, da, 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 slow pace, anniversary, whatever the case may be. But we still want to know when the appetizers went out so that you're not waiting 15 minutes between an appetizer and a salad are the salad and this or that. So the expo's making notes. He knows when things went out. Now think about this. At the same time, there could be 20 tickets on the board. Right. So your, your head's on a swivel the whole time. So your first ticket, here's the one that's going out next, but this ticket that's on my left is the one that just came in. So I'm making notes on that one. Know that I got time on this, but these are the, the first five tickets down here are the ones that I'm working. And if I see that, hey, it's been 18 minutes since the filet went down. Hey, grill, where's my medium? And the grill, and the grill guy say, 30, say, you know, minute out, ready to plate. And then he can look at me and say, yeah, I'm ready on a pickup on the fish and the chicken. Let's go. So then everything gets pre-plated, plated, and then it gets sent to the to the expo, the the mm -hmm. final, mm -hmm. the guy at the line or the guy at the window. Now he's going to final sauce it because we send him we send him a little boat with the sauce on it and it's hot. He's going to 
taste everything. A lot of times we'll, the, we actually, you can plate at the window from the pan. So you take your tasting spoon and you taste the risotto or you taste the potatoes. Okay, good. Hey, no, this needs more salt or this, you know, this is not done right. You left an ingredient out. You know, I need mm. to pick up on it right away. So you always taste the dish when it goes out. You're always tasting it. You're, you know, like we, we had grips of plastic spoons at every station. And if a cook's not tasting, then he's not doing his job. So at the end of the night, you know, if you had 500 spoons, you shouldn't have any spoons left, you know, which is another reason that in a cook, in a kitchen, you're never really hungry. You, you eat for six hours, one bite at a time, you know, so you're always tasting, you're always testing the risotto, make sure that yeah. it's al dente and everything's perfect. You're tasting the sauce. Obviously you can't taste the filet. You can't yeah. taste the chicken. You're not picking up a piece of the halibut tasting it. Yeah. But you're tasting all the sides. You're tasting the, everything that's going with that dish. You're trusting that I cooked this piece of chicken and it's going to be right and it's done. Now we do temp it to make sure it's done and oh, okay. clean all the way through. And, you know, there's always that thumb test and everything on the grill. But uh, I always required guys to have a thermometer. And if my grill guy, my grill guy always had a thermometer and he always temp stuff. You, you don't temp it. I don't trust your thumbs your fingers are calloused i want to know because for each temperature we had a temperature for each rating okay temperature medium rare whatever yeah. we had a temperature specification for that got it so you know he's temping it it's like hey it's you know i'm 119 i'm ready to pick up then he takes it off and lets it rest he's letting the steak rest while everything else is being plated so the last thing to go on the plate we let it rest it sits on a towel that way it's not not juicing and bleeding all over your plate or, you know, sure. stuff coming out. So you let it you let it rest so it all absorbs back in, and then it goes on your plate. That way the plate is clean and nothing on the plate is but the sauce. So then you garnish it and send it out. Now, at the same time, you could have a 12-top. What's the what? A 12-top, 12 people at one uh, table. Uh -huh. So now you've got to coordinate all of this together so that all 12 dishes go out within 30 or 40 seconds of each other. Your window might not be big enough to hold 12, and the server's only taking four at a time, so you know you got about 30 seconds to get the next four up there. But if it's a 12-top and we're running them in sets of four, I got about a minute and a half to get that 12-top out. So that's where everybody in the kitchen's got to talk and communicate. You know, hey, I need to push table 12. I'm, I'm lagging on this. Uh, you know, <coughs> I tempted. It's not I'm about six degrees out. Is push the next table, you know, so, and then you always want to let the servers know, hey, we're dragging on table a little bit, send them, send them a glass of wine, tell them, you know, it's coming, the, you know, it's just yeah. taking a minute. So huh. you can get in, just like in our job now, you can get by with a lot of stuff. And I say get by, and that's not really the term, but customers will be a little more forgiving if you tell them what's going on. The worst thing that can happen in a kitchen or in a restaurant or sitting at the table and the server knows the kitchen is backed up. They know that this table's dragging and they know it's been 15 minutes, but it, the, the, she doesn't have an answer for the table. So she doesn't go to the table. So now the person at the table feels, yeah. uh, you know, right. uh, forgotten about or where the hell's taking so long, yeah. you know, and it's just a little, hey, you know, I'm sorry, the kitchen's a bit backed up. Uh, your dish is about five minutes away. Can I get you, can I get you anything? Do you have, you know, is everything okay? So if you talk to them, 90% of the time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to settle most issues. Just, you know, as you know, letting people know on the phone, hey, you know, this happened with your bike today or whatever. So it, it's, it's communication is key, not only between the line as we're cooking and what we're doing, 
but between me and the front of the house, which is sometimes the biggest obstacle, because there is a war, it seems like, as much as you try not to have it, it's us against them, you know, mm -hmm. servers against cooks or whatever. And then to ensure that the server would take that information to the table. And then that's where you have to trust your front of the house staff that they're doing what well, they're supposed so to be So my follow-up question was actually, uh, how do you not get mad at each other? Right? That was really supposed to be a joke, but I mean, how do you get not get mad at each other in the kitchen? And then how do you not get mad at each other between the kitchen and the front of the house? The, the Good Lord. Because the, the there's kitchen, so much. The kitchen, honestly, because they were, you know, I, we're all in the, in, the, in the firefight together. We're all in this foxhole together. So nobody in the kitchen really gets mad at each other. Now, I can't tell you how many times someone on the line is getting mad at a server because a server forgot to put something in on a ticket, forgot to say something, forgot to make a mod to, to something. You know what I mean? So the biggest frustration is like when you're buried deep and you're in the weeds or you're just slinging pans all night long and the server comes up to the window, oh, as you're about to plate it, by the way, you know, mm -hmm. umpty, 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 and they can't have that. And it's like, really? I've already put it on the dish. And now it's like, so now what do you do? You, you've spent 12 minutes getting this dish done yeah. and they can't eat it. Uh-huh. So. What do you do? You rob Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. You ask the expo, hey, I got, I need a medium. Do I have another medium somewhere? And then, yeah. So you'll take a medium that's, that's probably four minutes out, rush that thing in the oven and get it done. And then try to, you know, sweet talk the server because she's the one that screwed up and say, hey, you need to go talk to your table. And they're like, uh, can't you just fix it? I'm like, well, I'm trying to fix it, but the table needs to know it's going to be an extra minute or more. You know what I mean? So the biggest frustration that I've had, and most cooks will tell you, is, is sometimes them with the front of the house. And then the front of the house will tell you the same thing. The biggest frustrations that they have is dealing with the kitchen, mm -hmm. you know. And, and servers have a, I don't want to say it's easy. But a server can come up and pass off any mistake that they made to the kitchen. 100%. Oh, I'm sorry. The kitchen messed up or, you know, they forgot to fire this. And in all honesty, the server forgot to put in four entrees on a four top and there's only three. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's the job of the expo because the ticket will tell you table 12. And we know that table 12 is a four top. Table 12, and we've sort of seen the reservation book that night, and we got it kind of an idea that everything's full. So when, a, when Table 12 comes in and it you know, says four, and there's only three entrees, it's now my job to get the server and say, hey, table, you, you just sent a, in three entrees on a four top. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, can I? That's the other one's going to be the special. Well, I need the ticket rung in. Send me an send me a, send me an add on. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's our job to protect them. You know, it, ultimately, because they're there for the food. You know what I mean. So right. you've got to do everything in your power to like smile and grin. So and this work. sounds a whole lot like our service department. Yeah, I mean, because the nuts you, and bolts. You're the expo. You you handled. You handle the customer coming in, uh -huh. the guys in the back, we're your cooks. Now we're, ex, ex, you know, cooking and get it done. And then when it's done, we mm -hmm. give it to you. Now you're doing okay. So you're certainly I know I freak out when I'm, you know, with customers and trying to filter things and then decipher or whatever. Right. You know, um, so I mean, the expo, that's, that's a high stress job. Yeah. The expo sort of has to 
know everything's going on in the kitchen at any given time and in the front of the house. So when I was standing in the expo position, you're standing in the window and all the food's coming to you and you have final plate and you're plating it and you're garnishing it and you're, you're checking the ticket. I also had a copy of the book, meaning I knew what the reservations were. So I had the reservations over and then I could see, you know, table 12, then I could make notes. Table 12 is set or they would let me know, hey, the six top is down. You're going to be ordering drinks. They're going to be coming in with appetizers. So I could circle that table on my on my notes and know that they're down. And then I could then if I wanted to, if it was, you know, somebody says they're coming in for an anniversary, it's on the notes for the for the reservation or whatever. In order to buy myself a little time, I could send a gift to the table. They're going to be ordering drinks and they're going to be doing apps and they're going to sort of pace it out. So they're not in a hurry. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's cool. While they're waiting for the drinks, I have an amuse bouche or something set up for the table. Hey, I need six amuses. So they'll give me a little, you know, amuse bouche, a little one bite type of to get your palate ready in anticipation for the night's meal. So you could send that to the table and that sends it to the table. Now they've already got something to nibble on. Now they get drinks. So now they're sort of lost and they don't think that the time is as long as it is. Or as short as it is. So there's things you can do. And then part of my preparation of getting ready for dinner service was looking at the book, seeing who we had coming back, seeing if anybody was celebrating anything, seeing if there was no, say, this is our first time in town. You know, we heard about your restaurant, you know, so all these things are, can be made when your when your reservation staff takes the reservations so that when you get a copy of the book, you sort of have a snapshot Mm -hmm. of what the, of what the customers are, are doing, you know. So, wow. So all that goes into account when you're, when you're, when you're plating, or, you know, when you're, when you're looking out now you're timing sure. and I got, you know, inevitably you, you try to pace out your reservation. So you have six tables on reservations. Now you have four tables that are available for walk-in for somebody who didn't make a reservation. Ultimately, all 10 of those tables are going to sit down within 10 minutes of each other, sometimes at the exact same time. Right. And now there's four different servers handling these 10 different tables. So they're all on their own time frame. And the next thing you know, within 30 seconds, 10 tables come in. And it happens. It's a phenomenon. It happens in kitchens across the country. It happens at the bike shop. Yeah. You can have as many reservations as you want and set it up and you think you've got it spaced and it's all good. I've got three, four tops, a six top. Now I've got two, two tops that are available for walk-in. And next thing you know, 7.15, ah, boom, 7.18, good. 7.19, there's all 10 tickets come in. Now you're cooking for 22 people at one time. That's insane. You know, and then once that starts... That's just one section. Yeah. So now it's, now it's pushed. Yeah, right. Now, now uh-huh. 725 sections coming in. So next thing you know, every 15 minutes, 10 tickets are coming in, you know, just constantly. So once you start cooking, once your first reservation goes down, you have to tell the guys, all right, guys, we're in the push now. Here we go. It's not going to end till 10 o'clock, you know, whenever. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You know, and it, and it's five thirty. First reservations at five thirty. Once the first reservation, it doesn't sits. even sound like you can take a pee break either. No, you don't. That's the reason you you do all that stuff during prep and get it all done because once and that's what I used to tell the crew. Say, get you, and you think time in lunches at work is is tough. So I have six guys who have a deadline to have to have enough food to feed two hundred people ready to go at five o'clock. Oh, and by the way, you got to take your hour lunch. Oh, and by the way, don't, you know, yeah. don't be dragging at five o'clock because our first book's at 5.05. Wow. 
you know, and then they're all like, oh, I don't, I don't need to take a lunch, chef. I don't want to take a lunch. I'm like, yeah, well, you say that now, but the first time, you know, you work straight through an HR ask, come, you didn't take a lunch. You're going to say chef wouldn't let me. I'm like, no, we don't play that. Take a lunch. Get out of here. So that's the reason you and your sous chef have to be proficient in every station. Because when you send oh. somebody to, to, to lunch, now you have to cover their station for prep and get things ready to go. It's almost sure. like you should overstaff one we, just because We of actually, we had a, a torme or a swing chef yeah. that would come in at 10 o'clock. We opened at 11. So he would come in at 10, right? So now he, eight hours, he's good till six. So I can, he can cover the morning crew who've been in since eight. So, okay, you work salads, finish salad prep, you go to lunch. So this guy, he's, he's a really good, I mean, that person is good at all station because yeah. he comes in and sometimes I would bring him in straight in at 11, him or her. He walk in at 11, get on salads. Yeah. And salads could already be buried with 17 tickets. So he has to, you know, what do you got? What do you got? Where are you at? Boom, boom, boom. Now he starts making salads. So we make salads for an hour. Salad person comes back. Get on a grill because I'm just, I'm looking at, I'm just the, the rotation that wow. I had, the lo- rotation that I had the last place it worked. So had salads right here. The window was in front. Then there was grill, fryer, saute, and oven. So he worked salads. Mm-hmm. He comes back. He never worked, you know, don't, you don't need to send him on expo. So when he comes back, you send the grill guy to lunch. Grill guy, go to lunch. Now this guy has to shake it all off because now he's been making salads. Now he's got to cook on the grill. Right. So... Once he once once the grill guy comes back, hey, jump on saute. Yeah. Now you're cooking. Now you're now you're making you know mushroom pasta or chipino or something like that. When you were just cooking hamburgers and no, Rubens no, that's and stuff. if you're really lucky that that you're staffing properly. Yeah, but, but I mean, I could also imagine that some kitchens will just run lean. Yeah, I mean, and because labor cost is a huge cost. Yeah, you know, and so there's a lot of lot of places that I work. You know, you your bonuses or things that were were. You, you, your incentives were based on labor cost and food cost. So that's where the trick, that's, that's where the juggling comes in. You know, just like in our current job, when you know you have a down month, you can't give everybody the full hour. So when we start rolling into the lean times, you know, it's like, so the Torme may be doing something else or, you know, you kind of yeah. juggle them in and, you know, but you during, in wine country, you never really have a down season because huh. it's always tourist out there so we and like i said last week things that allowed me to have that extra person was we cook things that maybe you don't want to cook and one of them is 750 hamburgers in a month maybe another one is 650 chicken caesar salads that's 1500 items at 12 dollars a piece are you know average so 20 and 12 if you take half of that you know so that pays your labor so that's what you have to look at it's like yeah we may do things we don't want to do or it's like does it take away from us but it's also that that covers and pays for a lot of things and it's also like i said last week it's that a familiar that people are familiar with an item that they see on the menu you can Mm -hmm. have a lot of exotic stuff but if they walk in and see a hamburger grilled cheese for a kid and a chicken caesar they know there's something there they can eat and that that's huge because you want that eight top to sit down. You know, one of the last places that I help work and consult at, they didn't understand that concept. They wanted to have a strict regional menu, 100% try to make it authentic. 
I'm like, that's great because that's where I'm from and that food is great. But when someone walks in and they see etouffee, shrimp and grits, uh, you know, crawdad hoboys, oyster po'boys, and it's like, okay, where's where's fish sticks for my kids? Where's where, where's a hamburger? Where's a chicken Caesar salad? So like, well, we don't have that. Well, you know, that doesn't, what can I eat? So, and I literally have seen eight and nine and 10 tops walk out. Really? Because there's four, there's four people who they're willing to try an oyster po' boy. The other four want a hamburger or want a chicken Caesar salad or want mac and cheese. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you chefs, and I say the word ego, have to put certain things aside and know that ultimately I'm not going to get to do what I want to do Mm -hmm. if people aren't coming into the restaurant to eat. And if they're not eating, then things aren't being bought. You know, you're not making money. Mm -hmm. So that's only going to last for so long. So you have to make, you know, sacrifices or decisions on what you're going to do. So... By the way, how sacrilegious is it to sit down, look at the menu, and realize, oh, my gosh, uh, well, we don't want to eat here, and then to get up? Um, I've done it once or twice, but uh, a trick is when you, when you, if you're not sure, ask the host for, to see a menu. Even if you have a reservation and you're not sure, even though you've looked online, that's the reason, like, say you go to the gas lamp or you go to Vegas or you, when we were in Boston, every restaurant you walked by, Everyone has a copy of the menu, either at the door, on a podium, right there at the door Mm -hmm. for that very reason. So you can look and see if there's something on there that you're familiar with, that you want. A, I'd say, I would say 90% of people are looking at prices. And then after pricing, it's, is there something on there that I'm going to like? I'm looking for something specific. Mm -hmm. And is it on there? And if it's not, then you you know you don't have to go into the restaurant. Okay, thank you. Cool, you know. Right. So if there's not a menu available when you walk in, ask the host. Hey, can I see a copy of the menu? Yeah. You know, even if you have a reservation, are you tell? Hey, I got a table of four. It'll be about thirty minutes. Okay, cool. Can I see a copy of the menu? Have a copy of the menu. Then you and your party dis- the party discuss if this is where you want to go or what you want to do. Right. You know. But there have been times that it's like you sat down. You kind of had a vibe when you looked at the menu or. Something at the table grabs you wrong, or you just realize the server's in the weeds. It's uh-huh. like, ah, cool. Can I get a soda? I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> so I try not to like stiff, stiff, but it's like, ah, we're just gonna have a, we're just gonna have a glass of wine. Server will roll her eyes, and then you know you made the right decision. Got it. So because they're like, they're they're looking at you as a tip, and if you just four of you sit down for just a glass of wine, right. eh. You know, they're not making any money. So. Okay. All right. But you can, make, you can make your decision based on that. Well, that was good. That was, easy. That was just question number one. Yeah. <laughs> might, <laughs> might have been a three-parter. Who knows? <laughs> um, okay. So oh, hey, what's the difference between the cook and the chef? I don't get that part. Is there a difference? Well, the, and... Like if you run a French brigade, everyone has the chef title in their name, you know, chef de cuisine or station chef or station cook. In in the simplest of terms, cooks are the guys manning the stations. They're the ones doing the grunt work. They're the ones cooking your steak, cooking your fries, cooking this or cooking that. Um, like I said, I like to cook, 
So on busy Friday nights and certain nights of the week, I put myself on the line. I liked to cook because it was just fun to me. And uh-huh. I really enjoyed the rhythm of it. But the, the, ter- the chef is the one who's the general manager of the kitchen, for lack of a better term. The chef writes the menus. The chef does the costing. The chef does the scheduling of the people. You know, so in like high in true hierarchy, it's like when you when you come up and you're 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 starting and you're you know a station cook or you're doing this and you move up now you're in you're in charge of these two guys as you keep moving up. Ultimately, when you make executive chef and you're an executive chef at a at a big corporate dining facility, you you probably aren't slinging pants. You're the face of the kitchen. You're the one out there meeting and greeting, touching tables and saying, you know, how do you doing? How's everything going? And then your chef de cuisine or your sous chefs are the ones running the kitchen, doing the things. But most of the kitchens that I worked in were relatively small. The biggest kitchen I worked in, I had uh, six sous chefs, three AM sous chefs and three PM sous chefs. But I also had a crew of 40 people, you know, but I still slung, I still cooked. And sometimes it's just being on the line, calling the tickets and controlling the chaos. You know, your, your, your three sous chefs are in charge of three people working on the line. So we had like nine people on the line. Mm-hmm. So each of them are, you know, so you're the sous chef tonight. You're, you're handling garmage or salads. You're handling apps. You're picking up grill and saute. So now you have to coordinate with your crew, with everyone in that station of what you're doing. Cause I'm calling out the tickets and I need to know, mm-hmm. you know, and you hand me the food. Hey, we're picking mm-hmm. up table 12. All of that mm-hmm. comes out. So the chef is, 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 you know, the C, the CO, he's, he's, he's the reason that you're scheduled today. He wrote the menu. He's telling you how to cook a dish. He writes the menus. Mm. He writes the recipes. He does the costing. He, you know, codes all the invoices. Cause when you get an invoice, there's sounds several, like an admin job. It's, it's a lot of admin job, a lot. So it's like, I would okay. go to work, you know, one of the last places I work, I would, I'd get to work at eight. And I would check on the crew. They're all doing their prep. We would say, because, you know, I would discuss yesterday what we're going to do today. So they know that, okay, this is the special we're running. And then what I also did, it's like, so, hey, you you come come up with a lunch special and you do the soup of the day. So you task these people, give them ownership of certain things. And now once they once they have ownership of something, it's 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 natural you know, you, you, you've, you've studied organizational leadership and management. You give people ownership or something, now they own it, and now it becomes a piece of them to take a little more pride in doing it, right? So once you see a guy that's a guy or gal, I keep saying guy, and that's not, I, I always have a lot. Generic term, whatever. Yeah, had a lot of females in my kitchen, and I, you know. So you give this person the opportunity to shine or yeah, to fail. Sure. And you don't want them to fail, but... Now is their opportunity to show you right. what they're capable of. So, hey, tomorrow I need you to do the soup of the day. Right. So look through and see what we have. If you need anything, let me know. And I need to know by 2 o'clock because that's when I'm ordering. And all my produce and all, most everything will be here mm-hmm. at 7, 38 o'clock in the morning. So, mm-hmm. And you come up with a lunch special. See what we have. Mm-hmm. If there's anything that we need to blow out or if there's something special you want to do, let me know. I need to know today. So now they know coming into tomorrow that everything that they needed to do, their specials ordered. So they ensured their station stocked, prepped, and everything's ready to go. 
and now they get to work on their special. So then we open at 11. At 10 o'clock, I wanted to see plates. Huh. So between 8 and 10, I'm, I'm looking at schedules. I'm looking at event orders, banquet events orders. Do we have a wedding this weekend? Do we have a jazz concert? Do we have, you know, this coming in? Uh, what, what, what do we have happening on Saturday? You know, we have this, we have a wedding, we da, da, da. We got, you know, the Rotary Club coming, whatever the case may be. So I need to, so I need to look at the menu they're, they're doing. I need mm-hmm. to take all the invoices that came in from this morning, right. code them and invoice them, get them turned in upstairs because everything's got to be paid within 30 days. So everything gets a separate code. So you know what gets charged, you know, because not everything's a food item, you know, paper towels, napkins and silverware, you know, whatever this is not a food item. So that's like sundry items and it doesn't count against your food cost. It gets counts, it gets Got counted it. against your overhead, yeah. but it doesn't get counted against your food cost, you know, so you still have to have a way to pay for it. So it, it comes out of different, different things. Right. So, so then at, you know, 10 o'clock, you walk over to the kitchen, you inspect the line. Hey, and you check everyone's station. And then, you know, you catch the knucklehead. It's like, hey, why do you only have a half pan of sliced tomatoes? Well, it's Tuesday, chef. We're normally slow. Yeah, but you know, the first way to get screwed is to not be prepared. So go ahead and fill it up. Slice me, a, you know, hand slice another, another insert of tomatoes. Oh, just shut up and do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we go through all the tomatoes. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of, and that's, Babysitting a lot of times. Mm-hmm. As good as the crew is, as good as you can count on them when, 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 the, when you're in the weeds and going through things, you still have to check on them and make sure. Really? You're only starting today with a half a can of pickles? You know, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, but we didn't tell you. I don't, yeah, just be ready to go. You know, you don't go into a firefight with a half a magazine. So load up your magazine and let's get ready for the battle. So, Got it. But that's, that's, that's the thing. And... And when I started cooking, and it and I didn't have any idea what it all meant, but as I got into cooking, and the Food Network got bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and chefs were on TV, and kids would come in and want to work for you, and you ask, well, I want to be you know an executive chef, and nobody could tell you what that meant. Not a person, okay, so exactly what does that mean to you? Uh, well, you know. No, I don't know. That's the reason I'm asking you. And that's normally their answer would be, well, you know. Oh, okay. Cool. Thanks. Right. <laughs> so you're looking for the answer. So, you know, I just like to cook and it's a passion of mine and mm-hmm. I want to serve in and make people enjoy what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, as they say they don't want to be a chef, then, you know, you know, you got somebody good. So, but the, uh, the early 2000s was, was tough because the Food Network glamorized it. And you get these kids coming in from culinary school, you know, who just spent $65,000 to learn how to cook. And you're telling them, yeah, well, I need you to work the dish pit today. Are right, you're empty in garbage cans and you got to sweep, you got to scrub mats and you're going to peel potatoes and slice onions. Well, I don't get to work a station. Yeah, you barely, the ink on your diploma is not even dry. And you want to work a station? You can't even tell me the temps of, you know, medium rare. So no, you can't work a station. Yeah. So that was fun dealing with that. Okay. But that's, I hope that answered your question. I seem, to be, I seem to be long-winded on answers tonight. Because uh, you got a lot to say, so go for <laughs> it, right? I mean, hey, we're in your world right now. So, okay, all right. Um, so I've been fortunate to have eaten at some pretty nice restaurants. Um, and I don't know if it's a placebo effect because you're like, oh, it's a nice restaurant. And, you know, there's $4 signs, <laughs> you know, right. attached yeah. to it. But, like, 
there's two in Vegas. Um, and I can tell you where they're at in the casino, <laughs> but I don't know the names, right? Right. You know, I mean, one's at the Bellagio and it's downstairs. And I mean, you know, when that state comes out, it's just so just genuine and and right and right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like they figured it out. And of course, they're going to charge, you know, 50, 60 bucks a yeah. plate. But my gosh, I mean, you, Vegas is a good place. It, it's going away from the $3 prime rib and that all you can eat stuff to like, there's legit, really good restaurants. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite restaurants is one of, is Bobby Flay's La Mesa Grill. Yeah. And, and um, Mesa Grill and um, the MGM. I go there every time we go to Vegas just because it's legit, it's consistent, and I ate at his original restaurant in New York, and it's just like eating there. The things are identical. It's like how it's supposed to be. The service is always impeccable. You know, their food, mm. their wine pairings are always good. And mm. you know that when you order it mid-rare or medium, it's going to come out perfect, you know. And it's that's that's the fun part of it, knowing when you work at a, when you work someplace that has that reputation that they, they know when you go there, they know that they're going to get their money's worth and things are going to be on point. That's, that's the reason you do it. That's the reason you strive. That's the reason you push your crew hard. That's the reason you, you know, Hey, that's not cut thick enough or that's cut too thin. You mm-hmm. get rid of that one and start over because that's, you want people to have that experience and to describe what you just said. And that's what, that's right. what, that's right. what pushes you. Yeah, and locally, you know, whenever uh, I have the gumption to take my wife out, you know, we'll go out to uh, Palm Springs and we'll go to LG Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, same idea. Yeah. You know? And y- you know it's going to be good when you have to order the side <laughs> as a separate yeah. thing, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it just comes with the steak. That's it. Yeah. Right? If you want Brussels sprouts. You're, you're like, going to pay the extra money for the Brussels sprouts. Wow, right? Yeah. You know, but... I mean, yeah, $200 later yeah, for, exactly. for two people. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that, that was good. Yeah, that, that was week's pay, and that was fun. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So um, you have met uh, some famous chefs in your time. Yes. Right? I've seen pictures with, what, like Robert Irvine? Yeah. Right. Well, who the heck is Robert Irvine? And then you told me a story about... Some dude, Michael Simon, which I have no clue. You're gonna have to was, get me a story on that one. Iron Chef. He's from Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland is he uh, uh, the American Iron Chef? Yes. Or from, is he the French Iron no, Chef? No, he was. Or is he the Japanese <laughs> Iron Chef? No, he was on the American Iron, uh, the American version of the Iron Chef TV show on the Food Network, and from Cleveland, uh, my wife and her family's from Cleveland, so. Uh, when I was going to culinary school, uh, there was a book out, um, Becoming a Chef by Michael Rollman, which is all, he's also from Cleveland. He's written a lot of really good cooking books. Um, not, he's also written cookbooks, but he's written good story books about the life in the kitchen or becoming a chef or achieving that notoriety or that, that fame that you strive for as a chef. And one of the stories that he, he wrote about was about a chef in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, that he was personally friends with and that he talked about his day-to-day life and how he worked on a specific dish, getting it just like, you know, wrapped perfectly and getting it to cook. It was a firecracker shrimp type of thing and how, you know, it, how it became a ever never ending process of perfection for this chef. So I was reading about him and it's like, uh, that guy seems pretty cool. And then found out his restaurant in Cleveland. And one of my visits to Cleveland with my wife, I actually went to his restaurant before he was an iron chef. And before, you know, oh. just, just because I'd read about him Okay, and he was like a, a celebrity in Cleveland. So I went to his restaurant. It was in really good, had a lot of fun. And then in uh, subsequent visits back to Cleveland, he, you know, he, he gained fame as becoming an iron chef. Uh-huh. He was on TV. So now that makes his restaurant even more popular. I bet. So I actually, you know, he moved from his original location to the uh, uh, restaurant downtown near the ballpark and near the uh, Oracle Arena, not Oracle Arena, but um, the, the basketball arena. So where the Cavaliers play and where the Indians play. So he's right, right in the hub of downtown and it became a little, you know, it got gentrified and it was really nice. So we were in there one night in town and we got to go eat and it just so happened he was in the restaurant. Nice. And got to talk to him and told him I was from San Diego area. He asked me about some chefs in San Diego and I, have you ever eaten there? Have you ever I said, Yeah, yeah. So we you know, we had a few minutes, we cheers and, you know, drink a drink a margarita for a few minutes chatting with each other and uh-huh. so and I wasn't like fanboying, it was just talking to him and my wife says, Oh, do you mind if I take a picture? So ended up getting a picture with him. Yeah. So but he's he's sort of one of the guys I've that uh, just because of hard work and the struggles he went to get to where he is. Mm. You know, he wasn't doing it for to become an Iron Chef. He wasn't doing it for this reason. He was doing it for his love of food and something we talked about last week. His influences were his mother and his grandmother. So he brought that family kind of upbringing and how food was always the center part of what you do. So that's what drove that's what drove him to cook and to perform and to cook the way he did because he grew up knowing how important a family meal was or how important it was when you're sitting around the table breaking bread with friends so that's what drove him and it's just that passion drive and desire that allowed him to achieve the success and everything that he did and you know he he never sold out he's always maintained that kind of honest family integrity about why he cooks and what he does. Uh-huh. So that's, that's what you strive for. Right. You know, maybe he had goals of doing what he did, but it was trying to cook to his grandmother's maybe, maybe expectations. That's a, maybe that's my problem because I, I love people to come over right. to the house, but all I'll cook is hot dogs <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> salad <laughs> and and people know. still are coming over so you're doing something no, right <laughs> no one comes over <laughs> oh man because i don't have the patience i don't have the patience to cook you know and then if i have the patience to cook or rather if once i find the gumption to cook it ends up being the wrong time and i mean again the other night when you know i finished that curry i finished it at 9 p.m yeah. 9 p.m <laughs> Who's eating dinner at night? Exactly, and right. then so I text, you know, text messaged you and be like, "Are you still awake? Yeah. I'm coming over because I'm 
gonna give you some food. Yeah, you it know? was good, by the way. Thank you. It was really Thank good. Thank you. I finished it off the other day, too, I mean, we, at, uh, at, it, well, at the you, shop. Well, you, you, you brought it in. Uh-huh. It says, take this to work. So we took it. I ate it. Sherry ate. It, it was good. It's like I ate it for like two days there at work. I ran out of rice. I'm just eating. <laughs> I'm just eating. I'm eating curry and pork. So it was, it was, it was really tasty. So. Yeah. Right. You know, so like, I mean, I, at that point I wanted everyone to come over at 9 PM, but yeah. it ain't going to happen. Right. So that's why, I mean, I ended up driving around and <laughs> delivering, I was delivering curry, curry, yeah. you know? So like, Oh my gosh. But see the, the joy that you got out of that. And the, and then just the reaction when I told you that it was good. So there, 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 that's what, that's what I liked about cooking. It wasn't an ego thing. It was like, to satisfy the primal instinct of eating and to know that, hey, I can make a good quality dish that people were like, damn, that was tasty, you know? So it, you you cook for different reasons, but it's all about the enjoyment of when people sit down because some of my favorite times, even today, you know, we just celebrated, you know, my wife's birthday, you know, a couple of weeks ago, like I said, and there's eight of us going out to eat and you're laughing and drinking and, you know, everybody's just talking and you're just having fun and food's just coming and it's just it's just that that bonding that all togetherness that just makes it great and then sometimes to be on the other side of that and when you can see the good times that people are having it's like Mm. yeah that's what it's all about you know so wow that's very transcendental yeah of you so i mean yeah i i i I left cooking because there are there are things that are that are that are nightmarish about it you know, whatever. okay, all right. You just opened that up. <laughs> no. it, well, it's the same thing that that you. Probably... No, no, don't same thing me. No. Go ahead. What what's what, what sucked about cooking? F- Fifteen hour days. Oh. Seven days a week, people calling out sick, and you have to cover because you're on salary, and it doesn't matter that you work seventy hours this week. Oh, that sucks. You know. Um, Two people call out. Somebody calls out. Somebody doesn't show up. Somebody shows up hungover. You know, your your food order doesn't come in. You make a mistake on your food ordering. You write a menu and then you order the wrong thing. You know, there's 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 a ton of things that go wrong, you know, on the backside. But ultimately, your job is to ensure that the customers don't know that. Uh-huh. Customers don't know that I've been there now eight days in a row, seven days a week. You know what I mean? Uh, the other thing that sucks about it, it, we, we used to, it's, you are working when everybody else is out playing yeah. and partying. <laughs> there you go. You know what I mean? Right. When was, you know, I, I, we, di- I didn't get to celebrate birthdays until I, until I decided not to cook or we didn't get to celebrate them on birthdays. Right. You know, my, with my family and we love celebrating birthdays. That's kind of a. A thing we do. We get together and we have a big going out, you know, birthdays. Christmas, you know, I worked at a place that was open 365. We worked Christmas, we worked Thanksgiving. And we started serving Christmas lunch or Christmas dinner at 11 o'clock. So, and you're cooking turkeys and hams. So I have to be at work at Christmas Day at 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So, yeah, there are things that suck. And you kind of knew that going in, you know. You are working when everybody else is playing and partying. Yeah. You're the reason that people are playing and partying, right. but you never get to participate in that. And your friends have to be in the business too, because who else is available on a Tuesday right. when you're off? Because 
your weekends are Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. You know, and everybody that you know in a normal world is working. Yeah. Right. You know, so that that's when you say sucks, there there are things, but it's I think it's the part of every job. I think sometimes it's amplified in that industry because as the chef or the person in charge, if somebody doesn't show up, you have to cover. You know, you have to be able to to step up and now, you know, if your dishwasher doesn't show up in the morning, guess who's washing dishes? Right. Yeah, the chef. You know, he's taking he's doing what has to be done to get to get things done. Right. And because of the lifestyle, because of you're always working long hours, you're always working when everybody else is playing, sometimes <laughs> the people you get might not be the most dependable or they might be on some sort of substance. <laughs> You know what I mean? Alcohol and, and, and you know, is a, is a big a big abuser, you know? I, I'm not a smoker. Never have. But I, you, you're, working with, you're working with people that as soon as they get a break, you know, they're, they're hotboxing outside the door and just, you know, smoke three because they know they're not going to get one for the next six hours. You know, so you, you, know, so you, you, you weigh it. You figure, yeah, it's, it, I enjoy what I'm doing, and you know who you're going to be working with and the things you're going to have to do, so you, you just do it. But that's, that's what I say by nightmare. Yeah, yeah. You know, but as I look back, we're running in. I don't have any more questions you have, but I can, I can sum it up by saying I truly enjoyed, and to this day, mm-hmm. like when I talk about cooking or when I get to hang out with my chef buddies and, and I go to restaurants and, and he's giving me stuff to sample or try he's thinking about putting things on the menu. There's a part of me that misses it, like genuinely misses the artistic, the creative part, the, the juggling and the managing part of making a dinner service run. You miss that. And that's a lot of fun. But then when I talk to him and he's like, so how's it going? He goes, well, I'm tired. I'm on day 15. And I went to work at six this morning and I just got off. I got to go in at six tomorrow because they decided to do brunch. You know, then you realize, huh, maybe, you know, doing what I'm doing now, you know, is, is, is where I need to be because I now have time for yeah. family and friends. Right. But, at, but right. at the time that I was doing it, I was, I was all involved. I mean, yeah. you can see my cookbook selection and everything that's in this room is, is, is somehow cooking related. Mm-hmm. So... I enjoyed everything that it gave me. I enjoyed the outlook that it allowed me and the, and the adventures that it allowed me to, to have mm-hmm. once I got out of the Marine Corps. And it, like I said last week, it was the structure, too, that I was probably needing because it was regimented. It was a hierarchy. You had to work up. You had to prove yourself. So all that came into play. But when it came to the actual work and the artistic and the creative part of it, yeah, that was, that was just fun. There was something about getting with your sous chef mm-hmm. You have a 12-pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon, and you're writing menus, and you're coming up with plating ideas. And it's like, let's do this for a wine dinner. You're doing this or doing that. That part, you know, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Good times. Mm-hmm. And so much that the, the bad part of it or, you know, the nightmare part of it, it doesn't enter your head too much. So, Well, I will provide you every opportunity to, to cook? relive your, <laughs> your dreams. <laughs> And cook for me anytime. <laughs> anytime. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was last summer that I cooked for the for the the summer solstice. You did. You that was, did. That was a lot of fun. 
you know. Yeah. It was stressful a little bit leading up to it. You're like, ah, do I do? Is this still yeah, good? Is yeah, this yeah, going to be yeah, good? Yeah. It was fun. No, there was there was good reviews about it. So. Yeah. So, you know, so I I I look at cooking, and when I go into restaurants, and and my my kids will tell you that I'm I'm probably the hardest critic when I go into a restaurant because I'll shake pepper in my hands, or I'll look at a table set up, or I'll look and just see if the servers are busy, but if they're chaotic or if they're under control. Oh. Certain things that, you know, but I, since I haven't done it and now it's been three years, rolling on three years, Father's Day will be really three year mark that I cook professionally in a kitchen. Whoa. So a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, uh, white glove stuff that I walked into restaurants with, not as bad anymore, mm-hmm. but I still know if something's good. I still know if the kitchen knows what they're doing and I, and I will still not, if I, if there's something I don't like. You know, yeah. we talk about it in the car on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. All right. Well, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for sharing. Uh, those are good stories. I yeah. th- w- always was curious, you know, how deep in it you were. And so this is good. Yeah, it was It was deep, I think. <laughs> You'd wake up in a cold sweat. Oh, damn it. I didn't order avocados at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's when you're... Uh, you're uh, relationship with your purveyors came in call them at 2 30 even though the cutoff was at midnight can i get a case of avocados on the truck sure no worries chef so things like that fun well i think by year's end people will probably be sick of my curry because <laughs> i'm just gonna keep making it over and over again well i will tell you i had the mild and the spicy and they both were really good really and i got the spicy i didn't like the mild well, what what I liked was the spicy, and it it was hot. But I took and maybe did a 70-30 yeah. split, seventy of the spicy with thirty of the regular, uh-huh. and it was just like, oh yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. But the spicy by itself, once once you broke that forehead sweat, oh yeah, it was good. Uh huh. <laughs> it was so tasty. Yeah. So uh, well, thanks for uh, for indulging and asking questions, Jonathan, and uh, you know, make notes. We can bring this up again at some point because it's fun to talk about, and then we can just tell you. I got funny stories about owners and cooks and things that happened, but we'll save that for later on. I don't know that we need to do a three-parter, but we could do a <laughs> we could do another yeah. way into the kitchen later. So okay, um, sounds good. Appreciate it. And uh, hey, look right over there. Yep, that's it. You can see the weekend from here. Thanks for joining us, and uh, have a good weekend, guys. Get out, eat, enjoy, backpack, hike, ride a bike, do something. Thanks, Jonathan. See ya. Thank you.